Welcome, everyone, to Let's Talk About Stuff. I am your host, Stephanie McCown, and I am joined today by my friends, friends of the show, um, Nicole and Anna. Welcome again to Let's Talk About Stuff. Thank you. Good to be here. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for coming. And the conversation we're going to have today is, it's not an easy one, and it's one we've been talking about doing for a while now, but... 2020 being the kind of year that it was, um, things just kept getting thrown at us and sidetracking us, but we're doing this today, and I think that it's timely to to have this discussion today. Um, You know, we're seeing Martin Luther King Jr. quotes all over the place, and a lot of them, unfortunately, are coming from people who don't want to have hard conversations about the subjects we're going to be discussing, and I think that today of all days, really makes it clear that these are conversations that have to be had if we're truly going to move forward into the kind of world that um, really is equitable for everyone. And uh, the playing field is level, and, you know, this is a country that really is free for every person who calls it home. So welcome, and let's dive in. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Um, so last year, in the in the summer, um, late spring, early summer, when the uh, Black Lives Matter marches were happening, and you know, as white people, uh, Nicole and I were were having to process um, our our role in in these systems that exist and the way they exist and what we're doing, you know, what our part is in it, how we uphold it, how we can dismantle it. And Nicole and Anna, you're in a mixed relationship. And that that presents a whole other dynamic to this way of processing, um, I think, the things that were really brought to light or you know, even if we had been previously aware of it, I think that, you know, what happened last summer and what continues happening now really put a fine point on how much white people really need to process the fact that each and every one of us has upheld this um, white supremacist system, whether we did it directly or passively simply by benefiting from it. And that had to have been... um, you know, the, the catalyst for a lot of work between the two of you as you were each individually processing everything that was happening. Yes. So let me, um, this is Anna, and I think my background as an advocate and activist around domestic violence and sexual assault issues as well as being Hispanic in the community that we live in, um, I was kind of always immersed in all of the the different activism circles in one way or another. Um, Mm -hmm. So I had a very different awareness around all of it than Nicole Mm -hmm. at that time as my friend did. Um, And so I've worked with the criminal justice system. I've worked on uh, on legislation, testified for different bills. Um, And so I had a really different insight uh, around what, the racism within the systems look like, um, as well as, oh, and also I've done some work in the in um, the Department of Corrections working with inmates. So just really, I had a really good view of what the disparities were, 
um, some issues with, I come from a very large Hispanic family, some legal issues yeah. that some of say my cousins have run into. Um, so I was already kind of on the front lines of this fight. And through that, mm -hmm. I had connections with um, the poetry community in Denver. And um, a lot of the people, adults and, and youth, who were um, participating in that scene um, were, when I brought Nicole into it, it was right around the time Ferguson happened. Um, so there was a lot of work with, um, with, with our black companions who were excising these wounds, like in their poetry. They were talking about their experiences with law enforcement um, coming from poor communities of color. And I'm going to let Nicole step in here because here's the truth of it is that the first time I took her after we left, I wasn't sure we were going to be friends anymore after that. It was a, it was a mm. hard, and I was kind of shocked by it because I knew her. I knew where her heart was, but I think yeah. even I didn't have an idea of how jolting coming into this experience was going to be for her. So, okay. this yeah. is Nicole. Um, hey, Nicole. <laughs> hi. I, I have a, how do I unpack this? I came, I came out of a an emotionally abusive and psycho emotional and psychological abusive uh, childhood. Um, my mother was is an alcoholic, and there's a lot of abuse that took place there. So, I I was coming from a background of understanding abuse. Um, what I didn't have was the was an understanding of the context of whiteness that I grew up in. So, so, mm -hmm. so even though I understood what it looked like to to suffer in some way at the hands of a, a, an abusive person, what I didn't understand is that within that, I was still very much benefiting from a white construct. And mm -hmm. and so when when we first started going, when Anna started taking me to Poetry Slam, which heavily consists of people of color and the stories of their experiences um, in the places that they've, that they've been in. It was, I related on one level to the rawness of, of the pain piece of it. Mm -hmm. And at the same time was, was being very much challenged by my, by my construct, by the world that I had been, that had been constructed for me from even before my own, Right, birthing, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. that was so. The, felt I felt I felt attacked. I felt, and it was very confusing for me because I was thinking I understand. Like I, I don't doubt there, that this story is real because I, I know what it is to be to live in this in this way of like kind of being being gaslit and being told that you're crazy and not being believed because for one reason or another. And on the flip side of it, mm -hmm. I was also I was also like, how could that be? You're talking to me, a white person sitting in this room. I'm not doing that to you. So how dare you? Right. And, and that was kind of my first. Yeah. That was that was sort of when the wallpaper started getting peeled off of 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 my world. Um, mm -hmm. And it was it was very challenging. It was very it it really did rock the very core of of who I who I was at the time. 
Mm-hmm. And I remember standing, I remember standing in, 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 this, in the kitchen at one point afterwards and, and we just kind of, like Anna was looking at me and I was just like, I don't know if I can do this. Mm. And so I asked her, I said, can you take yourself out of the story long enough to just hear them? Hear what their story is, hear what their experience is, let their pain be theirs, and then... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I did. <laughs> um, and it wasn't, and it, and it wasn't without, and, and so lar- that's what's so, that's what's so, it has been a process like anything worthy is. Um, yeah. And it has, it has been ardent and difficult mm-hmm. and it's been a reckoning. Like I have had to reckon with, every element of, of, of experience that, I've, that I have ever had. That's partially my fault. I took her into some circles, Bethany, <laughs> that she had never experienced before in her life. I have um, several circles of indigenous people or, um, or healers and, and folks who have worked within, with indigenous, the Inca and Mayan people. And so I was, mm-hmm. I was like kind of, forcing this growth in her outside of the field of whiteness that she had grown up in. But the crazy part was, I think for her even, was that everywhere we went, she was embraced as family into Mm. those circles. And I think that was kind of shocking Mm -hmm. to her a little bit. Like going into those circles, it was like, there was a guard up around, am I going to be received here? But then also even once she knew she was received there, like you and I both know in the evangelical church that we all have experienced on on one level or another that if you don't look, act, behave, and respond in the way that they want to, you are completely ostracized. Whereas in the circles that we were in, one of the very first things they tell you is do not ever judge somebody else's spiritual path, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And so there was this openness to, yeah, you can be a Christian and be here. You can be anyone and be here if you're here to Mm -hmm. learn and do the work and hear from what the indigenous folks are trying to tell you. If you want to learn, you're welcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, One of the earliest experiences of sort of the the reckoning for me was when I took a trip to we we took uh, several friends that, from the church that I that we are sort of uh, affiliated with that we do attend is uh, several of the women and and and, uh, and one of the men and and Benny um, my son. Anna's son we all we all drove to Standing Rock when that was when that was happening oh. and and. What I experienced there really did put in perspective for me, I think, what it means to serve. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and that was kind of the, that, like, on top of, that, that was the basis of my beginning to change and, like, mm-hmm. sort of started, starting to understand that I wasn't entitled. Like, this was mm-hmm. not my world. <laughs> um, right. And and so, coming back from that, 
helped me sort of change the, the way that I started to hear and listen and interact. And it was still, it wasn't an overnight process, but it was definitely like, accelerated. it, it did. It, yeah. Accelerated is a good word. It, it, it was, um, it was sort of a fuel for becoming whatever it was that I, mm-hmm. what, and, and still is kind of whatever it is I am becoming. But, right. uh, it, what it what it taught me was that this was again not my place. It's 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 not the 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 people there knew what they were doing and didn't need people like myself to come in and tell them anything. Mm, yeah. And they they yeah. they they and it wasn't that we didn't have a place. And I think that that is I think that is fundamentally like something that white folks need to experience, and I don't know how to, maybe need is not a good word to use, but having the opportunity to experience a a culture that has existed and one in which you, you, you have a place, you have a role, you have, you're not, not a part of what is, but I think mm-hmm. that there's, there's a, and that's largely what being in, in, in this place with Anna and, the, and her family has been also for me is that I have a play. I don't, I don't, there's nothing in me that needs to play a central role or needs to be in control of anything. I have a place. I have a role. I, mm-hmm. I am, I belong to this place and to this people because they've allowed me to. And I right. think that the that we we have constructed this this ideal. I don't know. This is also abstract, and it's hard to. I'm trying to get out of the abstract and be very um, clear. And it's mm-hmm. difficult. But um, yeah. what I started to learn in listening to the stories and in and in studying a, a little more of our, of the history of this land that we that we are that we inhabit and started kind of stepping outside of the bubble that I grew up in, even, even, even with its challenges, um, I still understood at some level. I mean, I lived in places that I, I never experienced or never heard any stories outside of my own experience. Well, and even mm-hmm. like we talked about when we were in high school, we're a few years apart, but we lived mm-hmm. in two separate parts of Denver. And, like, we've had conversations about, like, at that time, there was, you know, five points, which was um, at that time kind of gang infested. And um, and then I lived in the Hispanic part of town on the west side, which was also, like, at that time, there, were, there was a lot of gang stuff going on. And, um, but in, in conversations we've had about that, I mean, she grew up just a few miles from where I did, and she had no idea any of that existed. Like, that was not a part of her existence at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's it's really interesting. And then as far as our family goes, like, there's just really interesting dynamics because, you know, I've, I've talked about in the work that I do around domestic violence and breaking the chain that, in talking to my family, we've been able to ascertain at least six generations 
that have been impacted by domestic violence, addiction, mental health struggles. And so, like, my life's purpose, it seems, was kind of to go back into our history and figure that out and, and then do the work primarily with my daughter and my son, but around how are we going to break the cycle and we have to an extent. I mean, I'm watching my grandkids grow up, and they're not touched by any of that right now. Um, yeah. You know, and there are discussions to be had around mental health stuff that could present later. But as of right now, the way that they're being raised is very different than the way I was or, you know. And so mm-hmm. our, in saying all of that, I say it to say that our family tends to, we don't throw people away. If there's an, mm-hmm. an addict, if there, you know, someone goes to jail or prison, which has happened, like, they're, they're still your family and they're still enveloped in that familial circle. Um, mm-hmm. And not that there's not drama that doesn't come with that. There is. But it's also, yeah. like, for example, right now, and it's a very weird situation, my ex and my son are living with my parents because they need help. My dad had a stroke earlier in the year. Um, so they're, they're staying there to help them with the yard work and, and all of that. And my, grandson, my mm-hmm. son is one thing because he is their grandson, but my ex, that's a totally different mm-hmm. scenario, right? You wouldn't expect that. Yeah. But also yeah. they receive, like, he's part of the family. We got divorced, but he's, you know, he's still their son. There, there's just no, that's just the way it works for us. But on the flip side mm-hmm. of that, my ex's mom lives in the town that we live in that we moved to very recently, and so we're taking care of her because she doesn't have a whole lot of family close by. And I think the question wow. becomes is can we break down those walls, right? Can we mm-hmm. break down those walls? And even though there are some belief systems that are different, like we can still take care of each other on the level that we can Right. There are definitely right. boundaries around all of that, especially for me right now. But like mm-hmm. we can we can we can hold everybody in and take care of each other even with the drama, even with the, the disagreements. We're mm-hmm. we don't just walk away from people. You know, and right. and I think that was a very different experience for her. And and being yeah. welcomed in and enfolded into that, even as my ex Ben was kind of you know is still around, had to be really disconcerting because mm-hmm. it's, it's different, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I mm. I think how do I being this is, this is some of this, like I said it's so some of this is so Sophie. So abstract, um, and yeah. I think so much is abstract because, as 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 people, as I think the best word I can use as 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 somebody who identifies as a colonizer, as a person who understands that that's what white folk are, mm-hmm. um, and until until that's something that we begin to learn about and begin to understand about our history, it will always be abstract until it becomes something that we're embracing and learning. I'm trying to turn it around. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and as such, to be in a place where, to be in a, in a place where at, at some level, the, the, there's a 
familial connection that is organic, that is mm -hmm. not, I mean, even for all its drama, right, and all of, the, all of the things that come with that, it's not that it doesn't exist. Drama still happens and abuse still happens. And like Anna mm -hmm. was saying, there's kind of this concerted effort to stay connected as family, um, mm -hmm. in an organic way and to work and to, and to be able to have those kind of like, we're, this is a place that I can go right now with, with you as family. And this is a place that I can't. And, and th that, that boundary may stretch and, and morph as we begin to understand the pain inflicted, right. Or the, or the growth right. that's taking place. And that, that is something I see that happens in, in, in families with people of color, with, with indigenous folks. Yeah. Like I pay attention now. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, I have, I have friends that are, um, that are native folks that I watch their interactions and I see the way that they, that they speak of each other and even of, of the whole of humanity in a way that is everybody's got a place. And until until you start to understand your place and understand your role and what your what your role has been up to this point and and how it has impacted the rest of the whole mm -hmm. if 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 that's not something you're willing to start working on there's no there isn't how do i say this you can't take your role you can't take what is meant for you until mm -hmm. you're ready to until you're ready to to sort of deal with where you've been which is something that we don't right. do in in the in the in the society that we've been in right we've we've covered up mm -hmm. our history and so to be in a place i i i have found myself so fortunate to be where i am because it has allowed me the mm -hmm. space to learn about my own self. And I don't have I don't have a lot of family connection. I'm starting to develop some with with people who are safe and and sort of get it that um yeah that aren't even really blood relatives. Like I have an aunt who I just reconnected with because of the situation I am in with my with my mom. Mm -hmm. And and right now that's the only that's the only safe family that I have that's 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 actually that I'm related to. Um, because she's yeah. done the work, because she has looked at her own right. behaviors and the ways that they have impacted her own children, and she has actually had the, that conversation with my mother that I was not aware of until very recently, and that didn't go well. And so, mm -hmm. so I'm I'm in this I'm in this unique place where with 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 being in this relationship with Anna and her family, I I've been accepted. And I think, yeah. like, as a white kid, <laughs> that's something really hard. Mm -hmm. So you go through this deconstruction, not just, right, you do, you, you do it with your, with your faith, you know, yeah. what, whatever, whatever mm -hmm. background that is, that looks like. You do it with your societal influences and, and the constructs that have, you know, for, for centuries been a part of however you've grown up and, and the systems that, that you've that you've benefited from you 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 deconstruct all of that and it can really it's such it it's a it's so painful because you mm -hmm. you know the more that you the more that you realize even if you like not even if 
you didn't choose this life, right? I didn't choose yeah. to be born into this place, and yet here I am. I didn't, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. choose to benefit from the system, and yet I have. And that's just reality. Right. And so, so you're in this, it's this strange, like, acceptance of, you know, when you find yourself in this place where you look around and you're like, I, 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 don't, I don't even, I don't know who I am, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I don't want to be whoever it was I, I was before because that's just gross. Right? You just are like, <laughs> so you're just kind of, it was very, it was lonely work, not because I was alone yeah. in it, because I never was alone in it, but it was also my work to do. Nobody else could do it right. for me. And so, right. mm-hmm. um, but what was, what was difficult often is that not a lot of white folks that I'm, a, that I, that I'm affiliated with are, are doing that kind of work. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, yeah. so I've, one of the things, so how do I say this? One of the things that I, I, I guess that's been, I don't know. it's just been really, really, I think the hardest part, like I said, was, was recognizing that I'm, that I am accepted, that I'm wanted in this space. And I would find Mm -hmm. every reason to not, right. As I I would, I would look actively search for, for ways to almost sabotage it because my history tells me that I'm no good. Right. That, that I, Mm -hmm. I come from no good. I come from, this line of colonization, right, of, of setting up a system. And no matter which way you slice it, for me, I don't have a lot of access to, to research, to research my, my, my lineage. So, the, mm-hmm. so kind of the place that I landed was I have to accept that, that my roots are, are, are short and sort of rotten. And if I'm going to survive, I've got to be transplanted. I, I like right. I can't redeem I can't redeem these roots. These they're not redeemable. Mm-hmm. So what am I going to do? And I've I've mm-hmm. I've kind of just sort of sunk my I've allowed myself to sit and let my roots kind of take a new form. But but yeah. in order to do that I have to also acknowledge that they 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 had to <laughs> they had to rot. Like I was I was it was not right. it was not a good place. Does that mm-hmm. make I don't know that You know, so, yeah. I, 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 oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go. Well, you, you, you touched on this already, and I think that, um, you know, I've heard from other couples, you know, where one is a person of color, the other one is white. As all of this from last summer was unfolding, one point that was made that I have that I, has been in my mind ever since is it, you know, for the white person in the relationship to bear in mind it is not the responsibility of the person of color that you are with to make you feel comfortable with processing your role in in upholding you know the white supremacist systems that we have and i you know what i'm hearing is anna you found a way to allow nicole to to process what she needed to process as I guess, 
for lack of a better term, as comfortably uncomfortable as possible um, because that was her work to do. But at the yes. same time, you don't throw people away, you know. And so there is that balance there of, you know, this is her work to do, this is hers, but you all by, – by taking her to where you did, you also gave her that, that supportive foundation that even though it's her work to do and it is hers alone to do, she's not alone while she does it. And I think that, um, yeah. you know, one thing that I'm seeing in a lot of white people, you know, every time these issues are pushed to the forefront in the, the national zeitgeist, I guess, is this desire to be comforted as we process all of this, you know, because we want to say, well, I didn't do that. You know, I, I didn't create these systems. And we want to be comforted. We want to be told, well, you're one of the good ones. You know, and it's very hard to to not engage in that to to say, well, you know, no, this is my this is my stuff to process, and it is uncomfortable. But nobody is responsible for making this comfortable for me because it shouldn't be comfortable. You know, like you said, Nicole, these things have to rot. You know, they have to like shrivel up and die so that something new can be put in place. Right, because that rotted material becomes fertilizer mm -hmm. for growth. Right, right? Mm -hmm. it, it becomes the compost. I read um, about halfway through this past summer. I read this article called "Roots Deeper Than Whiteness," which mm -hmm. came at a time I think for me that I needed to also understand. Like, what? I, okay, I guess through. After reading that, it really set me on kind of a, a, a deeper understanding that black and brown folks and indigenous folks to this to this continent, they're still very, very close to their roots. Mm -hmm. They have access to their traditions. Their storytellers are still alive, and they work to keep them well there's an honor mm -hmm. and a respect for the elders and 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 there's an understanding like of of a way of being that is that is organic right i i i don't for lack of a better word i can't i there's just there's a connection with the land and with each other that white people don't have mhm mm and we're so yeah. so far removed from there's from from any sense of that that it's mm -hmm. that it's and I think I may have mentioned this last time we talked but it's like we have to begin to understand that we we don't we don't have that connection and and so we we operate out of I think an un an an, an unknown jealousy mm -hmm. of that kind of of that kind of connection and so yeah you know as i when i read that article when i read that essay it's a, it's a really good essay i can send it to you if you'd like i don't know if you it was written yeah. two years in 2018 um and it talked about how m most of us came from different lands and had very similar connections to the to the land and to a way of being that was organic and spiritual and 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 in in a lot of ways the same kinds of of um, genocide 
and stealing of that way of being for the land that it was being lived out on took mm-hmm. place for for many of our lineages as well but we're we don't remember mm-hmm. that right we right we 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 aren't connected to that part of our own history and and so mm-hmm. the challenge now is i i don't know that i'm I don't know that I'm ever going to get close enough to to the beginnings of my roots, but but I do understand that I came from somewhere, and that at some po- at some point in the history of my own lineage, lineage, I can identify with the 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 ways that we have stolen and that and the ways that we have oppressed folks in mm-hmm. this place, and right. and. And I'm not like what I'm not going to go out and do is be like, oh, I totally understand. Like my my you know my way of life was stolen too. <laughs> that right. sounds disingenuous, yeah. right? That's not. But, yeah. but at some level, like I think if we don't start digging deeply into our own under our own roots, we're 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 going to keep repeating the same history. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard. It's yeah, hard, I, and then it brings you to where yeah. we are now, right? Where it's questionable. You know, this this you know Wednesday is coming, and I think there's going to be some relief in it when Biden is inaugurated. But there, mm-hmm. there's no magic pill here. You know, this is stuff that no. we're going to be wrestling through for a very long time. And, and we were talking about this a little bit before we got on, like. There's a fear. I'm not going to forget who had MAGA signs in front of their houses, you know, or on their trucks right. or who were waving those flags. And and there's a, after last Wednesday, there's a different kind of paranoia about it a little bit now, you know, that mm-hmm. who is safe? Now, you know, not even right. just physically, but emotionally and spiritually and psychologically, who can be trusted, and right. uh, that's that's a wrestling match we're going through. Those are discussions we were having, you know, this morning with my daughter before we got on here. And and the sad part mm-hmm. is, it's like she knew about a family member who was on Parlor that I didn't know about, and then I knew about someone that she didn't know about. And it's just, honestly, more than anything, it's disappointing. It's right. really disappointing. Yeah. Because there seems to be a real lack of even these people who say they love us but support all of these things that are going on and all of this racism or people who support racism, like, and the the extremes that we're seeing now, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know anymore if you're just low-key racist or don't even realize you are or you're going to, like, come at us in a physical way, you know? Yeah. And that's really scary. One yeah. of the things I, that just struck me that I that I think about or that I was thinking about was one of the questions I, I have, I think probably the most asked question that I that I have that I have repeated through my our history, the relationship between Anna and I is, Am I good for you? And I think that comes from mm. um, I have I because uh, I as a, I I 
felt there, I think there was a point at which learning and understanding and accepting the history of, of my own being and existence kind of, like I said, came to this place where I was like, my roots are rotten. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I, I was like, as a white person, am I good for you? Am I good yeah. soil for you? Am I good? I, I, I ask that all of the time, constantly. Drove mm-hmm. me nuts. It, it really did. <laughs> um, and, and, and it wasn't like I, I don't know that I was looking for comfort. One of the yeah. things I, I. I, I never I was like I never wanted to be comfortable. I I somehow in, intuited right. that comfort was what I needed to get away from. Comfort right. is what we are addicted to, and that's why we will not like until we until we a- admit that we're just a spoiled rotten addict in this country. Like that's kind of that that's kind of what what yeah. I view us as, and 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 I don't mean that in like a we're terrible and can never grow from that, but like it's. Right. You know, the the addiction getting out of addiction is start begins with being able to say this is this is the reality. Right. Um mm-hmm. but but in that process like I just always was like I never ever want and what I never ever want to be is the is the 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 white savior person in this relationship. Like I yeah. never yeah. ever am like I I just, you know, and by virtue of the fact that She's aware of that. She's not. You know, she's right. she really yeah. is not that. I don't. She's a true ally to me and, you know, to the other communities that we're involved in um, and mm-hmm. willing to grow, willing to humble herself mm-hmm. and, and sit in spaces and hear the wisdom that's being offered. And that came, even mm-hmm. that came from a really painful experience. And, um, again, it was right after Ferguson, and um, there was a poetry event, and it was specifically for people of color and specifically to mm-hmm. share their experiences that had happened. And yeah. during the process, she was really emotional and crying, and I, I kind of was like, and, and I there's there's going to be disagreement about the thing that I did next, but it was really like, (laughs) you need to hold on to that until you get home. This space is not for your tears. And that doesn't mean you can't feel it and that you can't be emotional, but that space Mm -hmm. was really for the people of color to share their stories Mm -hmm. and their experiences and their emotions around what had happened. And for the moment, suck it up, buttercup, and be there to support them. And then when we get home, mm-hmm. please cry in my arms because right. your feelings are true. And I can hold that for you, but this space was not the place to do that. And that was a right. huge struggle when it happened. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. how did that play out for you? I, it was, that was hard. <laughs> that was, that was, that I, that was really hard. And again, it helps me understand. Like I I believe that we learn in a spiral. That we often revisit the same lessons at at deeper levels or at different from different angles. Yes. And as as, as long as we're willing to 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 keep our eyes open and to keep, and to stay aware 
then, then we will learn from, from those things, right? And we may graduate mm-hmm. to a whole new lesson, and we may not. But, we'll, like, for me, mm-hmm. that, that lesson was, was an, another of understanding that right now, in this time, in this age that we're in and that we are approaching, I think as a white person, as, a, as you know, who's lived in this construct, I, I need to learn how to be of service. Right. And, 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 and that was, again, sort of the lesson that I took away from being in Standing Rock for, for a couple of days. Like, I need to bend low and become a stepping stone. I, I, don't, I don't need to be a voice for people. Like, I don't need to speak for anybody. Wow. I need to be aware and, 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 and ask the question, how can I serve you? Not because I'm some great leader, not because I'm somebody who has deep wisdom, not because, but, but like that's, we have for so long been oppressing and, you know, and, and subjugating people to our will in this system Mm -hmm. that we've created that it like the, the lesson I think we need to start learning is these people don't mean us harm. By and large, they just want to live. They just want to live back the way that they were meant to, right? right. That, like, and, and so how can I be of service in, that, in, yeah. in, in, in getting to that place? And I think we're, we live in fear and we perpetuate that fear. And by perpetuating that fear, we just continue this cycle. And, in, and, and for mm-hmm. me, that moment, that understanding was that that was not my space to to exercise my my you know rights or my emotion you know have my emotional response. It was I need to learn how to be of service, and in and in this space, if I'm I'm welcome here, but but I'm going to hold the space as you know somebody who understands now that that it is yours and not mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or that so yeah. much isn't mine. Mm-hmm. And that's really well, hard. Yeah, and I, I think, think that... It's okay. One of the struggles we had during that time is that um, just because of the intensity of what was going on, there were events that were held, whether it was storytelling circles or um, writing circles that, that we were involved with where they would have specific times for only people of color. And mm-hmm. that was transitional for you too because, like, it was the understanding, like, yeah, I would like to have you there, but if we open it up to you, then we have to open it up to other white folks who will want to center themselves yeah. in that place. And that sometimes right. we just needed a closed room to go into to tell our stories to each other and to grieve right. and mourn together and then, and then lift each other up and strengthen each other. And then, you mm-hmm. know, and, and then in a different context, it would be a circle open to everybody. But, like, I think understanding mm-hmm. needing that space to be able to have those conversations was also transitional for you, too. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it hasn't been easy. I mean, there's been a lot of rough spots and a lot of bumpy patches, but, you know, and um, we're good. You know, we've we've kind of carved out this weird, eccentric, strange life, Mm -hmm. and we love it. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, you know, I learn a lot by watching how you two interact. And I think that the, um, the question of, you know, white people centering themselves even as allies, you know, you touched on a lot of really important things there because I do think there is a tendency to do that. And I think, as Nicole said, and as you said, Anna, I think that's a fear response because I think, mm-hmm. you know, there's still the desire to control the narrative even as we're saying we're coming alongside people as allies or accomplices. Um, but we're really afraid of what happens if we release control of this because, you know, we, it's like a desperate need to want to be seen as, quote, one of the good ones. You know, I am not the people who did this. I am not the people who perpetuated this. But, I mean, in, in my own family, digging into my own roots, I know that I had ancestors who enslaved people. And because they enslaved people, um, it, it provided a great benefit to, um, to, you know, to my ancestors to have, you know, it allowed them to prosper. And... I didn't do that, but there's no denying that my family certainly benefited from that. And in that way, I I have to take ownership of, you know, my own family's role in this, my my ability or, you know, the fact that I benefited from this and sit with that discomfort, um, but also not make that, make my own discomfort with my own family's history the whole point of being an accomplice. I mean that's not what that's not that's not what this is about, you know. Um, it's not you know somebody who is a true ally does not get into this to uh, assuage their own feelings of guilt. At least that shouldn't be the primary motive, you know. And then if it is, it, then that's not allyship. That's not being a, a good accomplice. That is just easing your own sense of guilt and making yourself feel better. And it's still centering white people um, right, under the guise of being an ally. Yeah, I think I, uh, that's, that's, a hard, that's a hard piece of it because it, it, in all fairness and honesty, guilt is a big part of what I felt for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think mm-hmm. that that's an escapable part of the journey. I think that is an important right. piece of it is to, is to feel that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's, it's hard because I think, oh, man, this is, this is where it gets tricky because yeah. by and large, I think white folks have been disconnected from their humanity, from their, yeah. from their roots of understanding and disconnected. Like, you know, that I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, like, I one of the things that that I've been paying attention to is is the way that storytelling has taken form in the United States, right? Like mm-hmm. we we love these Jerry Bruckheimer, you know, blow it, blow it up, you know, on-screen crazy drama like but there's no story mm-hmm. there. There's there is no it's the same. It's the same story over and over and over again, and we don't understand creativity any longer. And I think that that fear piece mm-hmm. that you're talking about is why, like, we mm-hmm. are, we are addicted to our way of being, and we're too afraid to let it be something different. And so, right. we don't. We we can't. 
create something new. And I think because create, real creativity is collaborative, it's not mm-hmm. – It's I mean, yeah. a, an individual is creative. I'm not saying that – like, but, but I think that honest creativity comes from something growing, not from, some, not from destruction, right? But, but it has, right. I don't know how to yep. – Or even stagnancy. Right. Right. Like I think we might have talked about, touched a little bit on this in one of our other conversations, which is the idea that trauma induces a lack of creativity because you're so mm-hmm. focused on just trying to survive. And I think that that's where we're at yeah. as a country, especially for mm-hmm. folks who are, you know, poorer or just getting by mm-hmm. Or even the middle class yeah. who's, you know, up to their ears in debt, like you're just, you're, you're living to survive, not to live, not mm-hmm. to experience, not yeah. to create. There's just no space for it. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we struggle in, in all different ways. And, I mean, it's still not easy in a lot of ways because we're both processing how do we do this. Like my mm-hmm. activist fire, I kind of am trying to, like, even out a little bit and hear more of the other side of the story. Um, although, I, you know, I yeah. feel like I'm relatively good on that based on the work I've done in the past, but also like mm-hmm. being able to tone down my snark a little bit because they tend to get a little crazy mm-hmm. snarky. I mean, we'll see my Twitter feed, you know. Yes. And, <laughs> and, and that anger, you know, of yeah. who that who do you think you are that you get to treat us this way, right? So I'm mm-hmm. trying to balance that. Well, at the same time, Nicole's trying to figure out how to find her voice to be able to come out and speak to her or to speak to people as a bridge builder because that's, that's what you mm-hmm. are, Stephanie. You and Nicole who have been able to step back and listen to other stories and to have a better understanding and be a really good ally, like that's that's not easy either. Like, I really want to acknowledge mm-hmm. how difficult like, uh, of a place it is for you all to be accepted and loved by this community, but also then to know that you could just be that, right? That you could stop there. You could stop just by being loved and mm-hmm. accepted here. But then to turn right. your face the other way and look at where you came from and have those really hard conversations with people who and and that's a hard balance to figure out too for you guys like mm-hmm. who are the people that you can talk to and who are the ones that are so far gone that it's like like right now is not the time or space to do that yeah. but I can still talk to these people and I can still make a difference here so I want mm-hmm. to as a person of color really acknowledge and honor um, the work that you guys are doing. I mean, I love you both so much for that. I mean, many other well, reasons, but that's a huge, yeah. huge piece of it is that um, you both know when to just listen and hear what's happening and then to be able to turn and communicate well to the people around you with mixed and varying mm-hmm. results, which is really, I know, discouraging. So I think that's that's it right there. Um, uh, 
what you talked about, Stephanie, is white people centering themselves continually, even in, in you know, sort of this faux allyship. I don't, the part of the struggle as a white person is to find that place of, of, of being genuine. And I, and I think mm-hmm. that part of that also means admitting to yourself that you do, you know, you, you lose, I, I, I've lost connections with, with, you know, with friends of, of mine that are people of color and largely because they're pr- taking care of themselves, right? Like, they don't know who to trust either and right. and who it is that they can that they can really rely on as far as white folks go and i can't blame them for that and i can't be offended by that and and so there's a lot of folks that there's just a void in my world now because those voices are missing and because i can't like mm-hmm. for me to chase after them and to be like where are you why don't you talk to me anymore would be disingenuous because i understand already Right, that would be right. coming back to center myself in that. So part of it is understanding there's there's kind of a, a, a for white folks in general. I don't know if this is true across the board, but I can't imagine that it's that I'm the only person having that experience, which is that a, a, there's a there's a piece of 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 your lived experience that's sort of silent right now because they need to be. And, and and I see them growing and taking care of themselves and it's and it's both beautiful and like You miss being part of I it. I miss being a part of it, but that's like Yeah. How how do I how do I from a distance again serve and support that effort and, and that without being like, Hey, like does that and I, I think mm-hmm. ultimately what this comes down to is kind of our philosophy around love and love is freedom. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. Right. Love is freedom. Love is the freedom that when I first took Nicole to that poetry slam that shocked her so much that had she chosen to not continue, I would have had to allow for that. Right. And and I think that that's Mm -hmm. where we're at. As far as no, and, and I want to be clear here when we talked about not throwing people away, that that doesn't mean they have full access to our lives all of the time, right? Like there right. are boundaries right. that definitely need to be set to take care of and protect ourselves and each other. But I'm mm-hmm. not in a place, and this is this is hard, with, and this is the activism part of me, that I want you to come to believe what I believe and know what I've known and seen what I've seen. And my mm-hmm. experience after 48 years of just life tells me, too bad. I don't get to do that mm-hmm. because I don't know mm-hmm. your full experience. I don't know even, you know, my cousins. I don't know what their full experience is. I don't know what has been going on in their lives um, outside mm-hmm. of, you know, what I do know and what they've, what they've told me. But, I respect and love you enough to let you make your own choice and to know Mm -hmm. that if you are going down kind of a crazy, you know, offshoot, you're going to hit your wall whenever you hit it. And my door is still open to come back, right, to have those conversations. And I'm not going to let you harm myself or my kids or my grandkids or Nicole or someone that I care about because you're so far 
lost in your story, whatever that is, um, that you feel like you have to hurt right now, right? Nicole's got Mm -hmm. a great analogy for it, which is a baseball bat. There's, there's a, there's a, um, it's basically my, my very, very, uh, simple story of what addiction looks like. And it's, Mm -hmm. Addiction is a man in the in a circle with a bat, and as long as he's in that circle, the only thing he knows how to do is swing that bat. And he can step mm-hmm. out of the circle anytime he wants to, but as long as he's in that circle, which is the addiction, all he knows how to do is swing the bat. And so, mm-hmm. as a as a and as a person, as a human that's aware of what's in front of you, the circle and the man and the bat, if you choose to stand close to that circle, you're going to get hit. You're gonna get whacked yeah. by the bat, not be, not 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 yeah. because they intended to. They may have, like, they may have intentionally turned their turned in, turned towards you from where you you know for, from your vantage point of that circle. But as long your understanding is they're in the circle, that's all they're gonna do is swing that bat. So you then have to decide how close to that bat swinger am I gonna get, and who do mm-hmm. I blame when I get hit? Mm-hmm. Right. And so for me, yeah. if I get too close, that's what I had to do with my mom. Like I had to, I, I could, I could choose to stand next to that circle. And as long as I did every single time I ventured right up to that circle, she, I got whacked in the head every single time, every time. Right. And I had to start eventually mm-hmm. understanding that, that she's in that circle. I can't drag her out of it. And if I try to drag her right. out of it, I'm putting myself in, in danger to do so. But, but she's mm-hmm. in there. And I can't do anything about it. So then yeah. what do I have to do? And, and eventually I started backing away from the circle. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you, after a while, my, you know, the first experience with that for me was, oh, she, you know, maybe she'll follow me out, right? Maybe, maybe she'll yeah. see that I'm backing away from the circle and she'll want to come be with me outside of that circle. And, and when I started to realize that that wasn't going to happen, it was painful. And so I would go back, Right. Because I wanted to yeah. be in that relationship still, and then I would go right. um, getting beat up again. So then I'd start backing away again. Only this time I would be I would do it with the understanding that she is choosing for for, for you know for lack of a better term to stay in the circle, and that yeah. if I continue to back away, eventually I'm going to back far enough away that that I I can't that we're not connected any longer, and that is mm-hmm. incredibly painful. But I I what's more painful? being right. continually beat up by the bat or, or backing away and, st- and at least starting to heal the scars that existed from getting hit for so long, right? And backing mm-hmm. away doesn't mean I don't love you. As a matter of fact, like many of the right. conversations we've had, is that I love you enough to let you do whatever this is for you because this is part of your journey. And right. when right. you hit bottom or you hit the wall and you get the help that you need, call me. Again, the door is mm-hmm. open. Right. And that's love, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's hard. It's not, there's nothing, it's simple but not easy. There's nothing easy about it. Right. Because the truth of the matter yeah. is, is that especially when you're looking at addiction or, or, or even a lot of mental health struggles, is that the truth is, is that their bottom or their wall might be death. Right. And that is a yeah. hard, hard place to be and thing to let go of so where's the balance again right 
and without mm-hmm. trying to impose ourselves our, ourselves and our opinions on what choices that they're making. And mm-hmm. man, there's there's nothing easy about any of it. But it comes back to that mm-hmm. place of love is freedom, and whatever mm-hmm. your journey is is your journey, and. Mm-hmm. We can love you through it. We can walk next to you in it. Or sometimes we might need to take a few steps away from the circle while you rake. Right. You know? yeah. um, and that's kind of where we land with all of it. And it's just, it's day by day. You know, different things come up on different yeah. days and we just try to work through it. Yep. Yeah, I hear you. And, and you know, as, as we're talking, I'm thinking... You know, the last four years with Donald Trump in office and everything that has happened because of that, it gave, I think it gave some, some of us just a taste of what it feels like to live in a world that doesn't feel entirely safe. And I realized, you know, this has been the reality for people of color in this country always. And so we're having to make decisions that, are, you know, regarding the boundaries that we create with people, regarding um, people we feel safe with and people who we perceive as a threat to us in some way or another. And this is an everyday assessment we're having to make. And, I, you know, it's just very striking to me that um, as difficult as a time as I'm having, you know, navigating these things and, and really trying to accurately assess who's safe and who's not, um, I think that the gift in that is getting just at least a somewhat clearer perspective on what it must feel like to be a black or brown person in this country and trying to navigate, you know, what's safe and what's not, who's safe and who isn't. And, you know, you know, yeah, it, it, it doesn't, obviously, I would never even you know, never make the claim that, yeah, I get it now. I'll never know what that experience is like. But, again, I think that I think one of the gifts in all of this is the clarity that the last four years have given to, to those of us who, who want to understand. Um, it's given us clarity in a way that maybe we, went, we might not have had before. And then, you yeah, you have to decide where are you going to land on this and landing in a place of love and understanding that loving someone doesn't mean allowing them to be unsafe with you. You know, you can love somebody from a distance. You can love someone enough to let them go. You can love yourself enough to say, I, am, I deserve to be safe. I deserve to feel safe. And if someone's making me feel unsafe, then they don't need to have access to me. And those are decisions mm-hmm. that um, people of color have always had to make, you know, yep. especially I think in terms of, you know, people who come alongside them and say they are allies. Um, yeah, there's a reason we're not automatically trusted. There's a reason why we're looked at with, you know, some suspicion until we've proven ourselves abundantly, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, um, and I think a big part of that too is the is the comfort piece, right? Like how yeah, how far are you willing to go with me as an ally before your discomfort is going to cause a backlash to come back on me? Because that has happened right. over and over and over again. Like um, mm-hmm. you know, and then and then it gets the backlash turns into well, you're the problem. You're the one right. who who isn't okay. You're the one who's stirring things up. 
right? And so yeah. there is there's an abundance, abundance of, um, you know, looking back for myself growing up, I think you just kind of shut it out. But then when you have the time yeah. to stop and turn around and look back, like I can now look back and remember from kindergarten moving forward. Like w- we lived in a mm-hmm. predominantly Hispanic um, area for a little while, and I remember going to school, and there was no discomfort for me when I went to that school. But the minute we moved mm-hmm. to a, a small town in the mountains in Colorado that was predominantly white, there was only one other um, family in town who had a Hispanic last name, and um, and 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 everything I did, I was cautious about. I was always like mm. looking around me, and part of that yeah. I think comes from the trauma I had as a kid, but also just from the uncertainty of who who do you trust, who is going to help you, right. who is going to um, tear you down, and you just you don't know, and so you're you're careful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think um, when you when you talk about there's there's no way that I'll ever be able to be like I totally get your experience. I totally understand how you know why you're angry. Like there's there's no way that I'll that that I could ever even come close to that. And I think this is the, this is what's fascinating is is that I don't know. I, I, my lived experience with my family of origin get, has given me this perspective of understanding what it's like to to experience the the the, the to experience who you are being like like crushed like whatever it is that you are whoever it is that you're becoming is such a threat to the person around or to the people around you that they cannot allow for that to flourish. And that was my mm-hmm. experience with my mom. For whatever reason, whatever whatever her experience had been pre you know, before before I existed, there came a point in time that, that, that whoever I was becoming, whatever whatever it was that I was, she could not bear to allow to be. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so her her response to me becoming whoever that was at the time was was to hurt it was was yeah. to was to cause damage to that to that to that human that I was becoming. Mm-hmm. And so in some way, yeah. I I I I know what it is to to be to be not okay with whoever it is that you're mm-hmm. that you're becoming because you're a threat. And that mm-hmm. I only understand that in hindsight. I can only look back at my story and understand that now and go that's what that is. Mm-hmm. And only because it it has continued it has continued and my and my experience with her up to this point is like it's it's heartbreaking that whatever it is that caused that in her led her to respond or react this way to who I am. And, mm-hmm. and for the law, and that's where, so that's kind of like my part of my story in, in, in being a white person is understanding that I have to now choose to continue to live inside that story or go, you know mm-hmm. what? Like I get that I'm, 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 I'm not 
you know, at once in the hole, my, root, my roots are rotten, right? Like I said before. Also, mm-hmm. though, I'm not this really horrible human being. And I think that's a thing right. that, that, that as you're doing the work as a white person, when you're, when you're digging in and doing that work, you, you, have to, you have to remember you are not a horrible human, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if you live in, the, in, in that story, you have, to, you have to embrace that part of your history. And it's, not an, it's, a, it's, it's a balance. You, you have to find the balance between going, oh, this is real. Right. And that's not who I am. So, mm-hmm. And that's why, like, this transition from a fear-based way of living to can we begin to imagine something else? And, the only, again, the only way we're going to be able to do that mm-hmm. is to embrace what was, admit that it was, right and allow that to become, right, fertile soil for something new to grow. But we have to get, white folks need to get to this place where we're like, because we do, like you said, kind of carry this guilt. And one of two things happens. Either you get crushed under the weight of that because you're trying to carry all of it because you're like, oh, nobody else is, right, because white people. <laughs> or, you center, yeah. or you center yourself. And go, look right. at me, I'm this, I'm, I'm this great person who understands how stupid everything is. Like, no. Uh, like, right. You just, can you just be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and figure out how yeah, to Yeah, I mean, neither that. of those are... Yeah. Um, yeah, neither of those responses is helpful. I mean, it doesn't advance, advance us any closer to the world we want to live in to walk around feeling guilty all the time. And talking about right. how terrible we are because we're white people, but it, you right. know, it also doesn't um, do any good to ignore the truth. You know, yeah. So you have to find that middle ground between, you know, yes, this happened and this is terrible and I've benefited from it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that doesn't make me personally a terrible person. And you know, I've I've heard a few. Um, I've got a, a friend. I just I love her so much and. And she is um, Latina, and she said, you know, we don't want you to, to walk around dunking on, you know, she's telling white people, I don't want you walking around dunking on, you know, the things that you love and each other all the time just because you want to be a good ally. That's not helpful. <laughs> you know? right. um, just walking around talking about how terrible white people are. I mean, that's not really helpful. What's helpful yeah. is actually doing the work. Because it doesn't right, take yeah. any effort at all to say, yeah, white people suck. Well, yeah, we, we kind of yeah. do a lot of times. But we have to go beyond that and actually actively do something to suck a whole lot less. <laughs> you know? Right. And, right. <laughs> uh, right. You know, like coalition building goes a lot further than guilt tripping, whether it's right, ourselves yeah. or someone else. I mean, you know. Right. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Right, absolutely. Well, and I think also being able to say, being able to say that because time and place matter, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I and I I do think that being being able to say, hey, you know what, white people kind of do fuck, like, mm-hmm. but, yeah, but not like how do we say this? I did something recently and it was really fascinating the, the, the way this kind of played out. I was like, it was just about a week ago and it sounds really silly, but I posted something about like how 
the story of this country has really always been about white supremacy. The way that mm-hmm. the, you know the system has been developed and the way that it's that it has perpetuated itself. That's that's and I said that and and you never know what to expect when you say things out loud, but one of the things that happened was yeah. one person responded to that who who laughed at it. And oh, so I was like, who is this person? I don't even, I, I, like, apparently we were connected at some point. It was, it was a social media thing. And, I, and I, looked, I looked back at this person and some of the posts that they've had recently, and it, and it, was, it was really, like, the only, the only purpose this whole thing served for me was to recognize that there are still people in my world who are very much not doing the work, as a matter of fact, that they have no desire yeah. to do the work, and, and, and they're, they are the people that are kind of serve as danger right now. And that was evident mm-hmm. from some of this person's recent posts on their, own, on their own social media. And I was like, okay, now I know. Like, I have to, I have to cut ties with these, with, these, with these folks because they're mm-hmm. not going to hear me. They're not ready right. to hear, Right. They're they're not in a place to hear this this reality, and by being connected with them, I I put people that I care about in danger, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it sounds really silly, but sometimes I have to say those really those, those kinds of things, not because I'm like, look at me, I'm a great ally, but sometimes it's just like I'm having one of these moments where I recognize how much we suck right now. <laughs> and I'm, mm-hmm. and I have to say it, <laughs> yeah, right. Be- because sometimes right. that's 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 just all that I can do in that moment. It's just like I'm so yeah profoundly disappointed with the with the folks that aren't doing the work, <laughs> and yeah. and and I'm like we we really just sometimes the reality of the of we suck is what is real in that moment. What's fascinating to me is watching the white folks around me who are doing the work and seeing their rage at the lies that they were told growing up, Mm -hmm. and or or the or the um, not that not the things that they were taught, but the things that they weren't taught. That right about yes. history and, and indigenous folks and you know all all of this. It's been that is really really interesting to me because then it you know it, it speaks into the 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 experience of white folks that y- y- y'all are where you are right now regardless of what that is because of uh, because of your own personal experiences and part of that is what were you taught in school. Right? What were we mm-hmm. all taught in school? Because we were erased right. in school, right? Then mm-hmm. no one ever talked about my ancestry in school, um, unless it was yeah. kind of a side note, you know. And, um, right. and so that that's been that's been a really eye-opening thing for me to take into account when I am interacting with with new people who are white. Is that what? What is that experience like? Where did you come from? And like Nicole said earlier, time and place matter. You know, where did you grow yeah. up? Where? What were you inundated with? What have you been? What news have you been watching for the last twenty years? Right? Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's all 
really, really interesting. And, I, and then I have found, right, like um, seeing that Fox News, their, their numbers have gone down by a third and they're behind CNN and MSNBC right now. That's really heartening to me because that means some yeah. people are peeling off and going, okay, wait, like this is a bridge too far. Right, like there's right. there is a stopping point for some people, and as Nicole frequently says, you know, we we got to leave the off ramps open for the people who are ready to step away, and be willing to yes. do some hard work and have hard conversations with them, and and then mm-hmm. hold our palms up and open about outcomes. Right, like whatever the outcome is, yeah. I'm not in control of that. Um, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm glad you brought up the off ramp part because I think that I think as as white people, one of our one of the one of our jobs right now is to be the off ramps. I don't think it's the it's the mm-hmm. place for people of color to to be the off ramps. I think that there needs to be, yeah. um, you know, the the exit from the hi- the super highway of white supremacy needs to be white folks who who are off of it already. And I think and, that yeah. that gives you guys the opportunity, right? That that is allyship, yeah. where you stand between us, right, at first, and then when you know it's safe, yeah, then you bring them in to us, yeah. where we can then have the right. conversation. Yeah, with them. I think mm-hmm. white people need to facilitate the healing and the and the and the um, mending for other white folks. Yeah, and and I agree. And what's 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 beautiful for for and and, and uh, you know God. for those who have been doing the work for a while we're fortunate enough to have the, the to to have had i've i've been fortunate enough to be to have that facilitated to some degree by people of color mm-hmm. um because i've been off that highway for a while now and and now i'm meandering mm-hmm you know kind of back in in the in the natural right in the way of of being that that was originally intended for me to be <laughs> when the when whatever cosmic force caused me to be right right um yes and and so so i that kind of for me becomes the i have to accept that that i am where i am and that i have been accepted in circles that I don't necessarily feel like I deserve to be in mm. um, because I am a part of this history and I, right. I can't change that I'm a part of the history and I can't change that I've been accepted by the people I've been accepted by. Mm-hmm. So right. I'm just mm-hmm. going to be where I am and then I'm going to find out what is my work to do. And again, for me, I think in large part, my work is to facilitate the off-ramp for people that are now getting ready to kind of face that. And, and, and I can, you know, I can, I can offer that space to be like, this is not going to be pretty and it's not going to be easy. And you're going to revisit a lot of these lessons again at different angles. And I can walk with you through that as long as you're ready to walk it. But I'm not caring. Um, but I'm not going to pick you up, uh, right? Like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do it for you, and because right. I've had to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's the only way that works. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right. 
So I yeah, yeah. Any, that off ramp deal. I think that's that's our job as 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 white folks is is to facilitate the exit for other white folks, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and to and to help them kind yeah. of process the questions and 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 to fully develop their understanding and 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 kind of start to yeah. develop a culture that mm-hmm. is that is uh, that can imagine again. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, because we're at a point where um you know, we do have that that opportunity now to decide where do we want to go from here. You know, when people look at um you know, the things that have happened in the last 4 years and just the all the atrocities that we've seen, you know, the things that are happening at the border, uh this pandemic that just doesn't seem to want to quit anytime soon, etc. And the way, not just the, obviously we don't have control over a virus, but we do have control over how we respond to it. And many elected officials have have been extremely casual in their response to it. They're like, yeah, it's here and it's killing people, and I'm good with that. You know, and people want to say, well, this is not who we are. But the reality is, yes, this is exactly who we are. And we have an opportunity right now to envision something different and move in that direction. And you're right, Nicole. I mean, I, I think that, we have lost that ability to imagine a better future. Imagine, um, you know, it seems too lofty to think about, so we just don't think about it. And because we don't really think about it and invest in in dreaming of something better, here we are uh-huh. dealing with the same yep. things today that people have been dealing with, you know, and protesting and marching for for decades, centuries even. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, we we've had this idea of what it means to be successful or what it means to to you know to live a worthy life and and we've had that sort of created for us especially mm-hmm. like as white folks this is like right we ha- we we are fed this idea of the American dream and 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 this idea that we are that we're this amazing bunch of super smart people and yeah. and like the hardest i think the hardest thing for me is has been to recognize that we we're we're really we're we're so selfish like that american mm-hmm. exceptionalism is is so like we we have no ability to look at anything outside of ourselves and go, wow, that's really interesting. That's very curious. I want to know more about that. Like we have no room to be curious about other ways of being that Mm -hmm. because we think we're the only thing that, that, that matters. And that's what struck me about the church. Cause I think you, you, Stephanie were raised in the church, right? Oh yes. (laughs) Okay. And then yeah, my grandparents were pastors. Yeah, and then you, oh, wow, I didn't, yeah. So, <laughs> but Nicole, you came in, and you were in the evangelical movement long before I was. Yeah. So when I came to the evangelical movement, I came to it from a place of coming out of growing up abused, being in an, in an extraordinarily abusive relationship. So I was looking for a place for healing, 
right? And and I'll say this, I mean, I found healing in a few people, but mm-hmm. as I became more involved and, and kind of drawn in because of the work that I've done to to the point where I was on staff at a very large evangelical church, the realization mm-hmm. of watching especially some of the big church leaders fall, um, what's his name from Mars Hill? Uh, Mark Driscoll. Mark Driscoll was a huge influence on our church for a while um, before, you know, he crashed and burned. But, like, we moved into that, like, right – it was even just a little bit before Trump got elected, but the church was already moving into that nationalistic, you know, that that Christian nationalism, the the, um, biblical manhood, all of these things um, where – you you just you realize this isn't any different. Like this is just as abusive yeah. as where I came from, and you know things that right. happened during that time when that was happening. Going, they didn't care about the women who were being crushed underneath this new ideology that they were moving towards. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's pretty much when we left at that point. And thank goodness for it because it, it was hard. Yeah. You know, it was a struggle to leave. Um, but I'm so, so grateful that we did because on some level yeah. we would have, oh, it just, it's, it's hard to even think about where we would have ended up. Um, mm. so, but that also is so traumatizing because you, you, you find that the belief system that you thought was going to heal you was really just crushing you even more, you know, and I think yeah. for, it's hard for people to step away from that because, you buy into it, you know, you fully buy into it that this is the way to be. And then you mm-hmm. figure out that, oh, goodness, like, no, 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 this is actually not the way to mm-hmm. be because all, what, what, what you're telling me is that this is the only way to be. Like, there are no other yeah. alternatives, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I know that that's not true from my own experience and where I did find healing from, you know, and so... Mm-hmm. It just, it's confusing. It's hard, and there are many, many yeah. layers and many angles and aspects. And I think ultimately what it comes down to is are we willing to sit down around the table and break bread with each other and tell each other our stories? Because what, what, what mm-hmm. is so infuriating to me is that a lot of these folks in the, in the, in the white supremacy movement, especially the poor white folks, if you could just sit down across the table from us, you would understand that our struggles have been parallel and have been driven by the system. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. you hate me because the system tells you to, not because you actually have reason to hate me. Right? Right? And, 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 And so that's the piece where it comes back to y'all are the bridge, y'all are the off-ramp, and then when you know it's safe, please bring them to my table because I want to feed them and I want to share stories with them. Mm-hmm. But y'all are the buffer between them coming in, coming to my table and crushing the table or coming to my table right. and being grateful to have the meal in front of them and the conversation, you know. Right. And so, mm-hmm. again, all honor to you guys for taking on that hard task because you, you don't have to. No. I couldn't imagine that, but, yeah. 
I'm I'm glad that I can. I'm glad I have the ability to um, you know use this podcast and and my social media and whatever you know everyday conversations. Um, you know, I'm I'm a big believer. We're all in this together, and none of us are getting out alive and or unscathed. So, mm-hmm. you know, we need to learn to walk together and do this thing together yep. because what we've got going on right now is it's it's not really working for anybody. Not really. And no, it's not sustainable. Yeah. Well, we should probably wrap it up, but I'm so grateful for both of you being here and for oh, sharing this. You. I know that. There are so many layers to it, like you said, and we could, I mean, we could unpack this, and, and we will revisit this again. Um, but, you know, I want to encourage people who are listening um, to keep listening, to know when it's time to listen and when it's time to speak, and to know when to, uh, to, to know your role, as Nicole said, and, and, to, and to know how to grow in that role. And... Um, like I said, we're all in this together. <laughs> yeah. Yep. For sure. Thank you, Stephanie. Well, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Everybody out there, take care, and I'll talk with you again really soon.